Welcome to Nerds at the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Blake. And on this episode, we're going to be re- uh, reviewing Valerian. What's the rest of that weird title, Dwayne? And the City of a Thousand Planets. Which makes no sense unless you've actually seen the movie. Unless you've actually seen the movie. Yeah. And so um, so this was actually your idea to review this movie. I, I had never seen it. And you were very positive about it. And I was surprised because of um, the reviews I'd heard. And so we watched Valerian. It was a gorgeous movie. But Jamie, uh, I understand you have dug a little bit deeper into Valerian. Tell us a little bit of what Valerian is. Okay, so um, when we decided to do this this episode, I realized that um, when this movie came out, uh, Comixology did a giveaway. And they gave away the first volume of the Valerian comic. And I went and I I read that. And... um, it wasn't good. Was not good. It was not good. <laughs> now, now I understand this is a much loved Parisian comic book. Well, character. there are there are there are things that get better, um, okay. and so it has to have gotten better. <laughs> okay, well, and and you got to look to the director, uh, the main instigator, as you will say, of this movie is Jean-Luc Besson, uh, the director French. Uh, he's done uh, The Fifth Element, one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Uh, Leon, the professional, mm-hmm. with uh, Jean Reno and uh, a very young Natalie Portman. Yeah, I have. I saw that movie a long time ago. Long I barely time. remember it. You really need to revisit that. One. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the, the one of the things that, and this is just a, a little bit of upfront spoilers, um, before we get into the the meat of our review, is that there was a big change from the source material to the movie. They're they're time they're time cops, in the N- comics. Now, see, I was thinking, well, this must be something of maybe a beloved through uh, line of comics, a beloved story arc, much like, you know, the dark Knight with Christopher Nolan, Christian yeah. Bale. I was thinking, well, this must be a much loved story in here that they're adapting to the screen, but you're telling me that it was nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Unless it came from the later um, volumes, but okay. it, there's, I mean, there's no comparison. The characters, the characterization is very different. Wow. And even, even the role that their, that their force played, like the, their police force. I mean, it's, it's just a different role. It's, it's like, different like they're regarding the time stream in the, but so anyway, that's sort of some upfront stuff, but, um, what, what are your opening thoughts on the actual movie itself, Dwayne? My opening thoughts on the movie, it was a beautiful movie. Now, that's one of the things I always look for in a movie. My movie, I love set design. I love exotic locations. I love just the fantastical gorgeousness of a place that takes your imagination somewhere else. And this, much like The Fifth Element, I think I made the comment to you, this could be a sequel to The Fifth Element. Uh, the, the design is very similar, I felt. Um, and you even see some of the same alien characters at the beginning. See, I wondered. They looked similar. I was wondering kind if they were the same ones. Kind of coming through. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a gorgeous movie. It's what really drew me to it. Um, and and I was, I've been able to switch off, I guess, my mind for, for some movies and just be like, okay, this is just dumb entertainment. <laughs> it's it's going to be a ride. So let's not follow the plot holes or the storyline too tightly. Uh, plot the, canyons. The, the plot canyons, <laughs> especially in this one. It, it really, uh, not disparaging the movie before we get too far into it, but there there was uh, really some lackings there. Yeah. But uh, it was a gorgeous But you're movie. right. It, it is a beautiful movie. So what, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, really that. I mean, it is a, and it's a beautiful movie. Um, and it, and, the, and the, like I said, like talking about the set design, some of the 
um, the computer effects, it did have a similar feel to The Fifth Element, which is a movie I love. And so I kind of had some warm feelings right away. I felt like I was on, you know, good footing to start with. And, um, but I got really frustrated with this movie. Um, see, the, so you, you're a music guy. You're a visual guy. I'm really hardcore on, I need a good script. And I need coherent plot, consistent <laughs> characterization. And there's a point in this movie where it just becomes a beautiful mess. Yeah. And... Uh, I got really frustrated. And I'm wondering, too, if these characters, Jamie, may be, have been growing from the first element to these later uh, issues where this may have been drawn from that we just haven't got, you know, you, we haven't got there yet in this, in the comics and it doesn't sound like we're going to get there, you know, by reading yeah. or anything, um, you know, much like we're growing with this podcast, you know, learning and tinkering and, yeah. and tooling with some things. So let's uh, go to our, yeah, I want to hear your grade first. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Grace. Now kind of want to review our grades. <laughs> I love I know, the grade I know, scale. I know we mentioned this and, and had, had toyed with it, but you know, A would be awesome. B is above average. <laughs> uh, C is kind of cool. D is uh, no, no, maybe don't watch that. Don't watch that. And F is flea running. <laughs> uh, this movie, I'm going to give a. I'm kind of bouncing between a D plus and a C minus. It's it's kind of down there. It's it's kind of middling, kind of average. It's just so beautiful, but the story is such a mess. It really drags the rest of it down. So I'm I'm going to maybe be kind and go with a C minus on this. Jamie, what's your grade? I was waffling with the exact same two grades, and I I fell on the lower side and went with the D plus. Okay, D plus. Um, so we're we're really close to the same page. Yeah, right? and. <clears throat> See, but but I, I but, the, but the thing is, is like you're talking about with the the D is that you know don't watch. I'm not sure I want to go with a hard don't watch, right? Because it is such a beautiful movie, and and the, and I'm not really a score or soundtrack guy, but the score and soundtrack in this movie was so good that was, I noticed. The, yeah, the music was really great, and you know this is one of those movies to where if you want to throw something on in the background. While you're maybe cleaning a house or doing some work and maybe you want to look up every now and again and see something to take you out of it for a moment. This is one of those movies to just kind of grab you here yeah. and there. There's, Like you said, there's some just really beautiful. One things. of those folding laundry movies. <laughs> exactly. A folding laundry movies. Great. Okay. Well, um, that, those are kind of our opening thoughts. And when we come back, we're going we're gonna to take a short break. But when we get back, we're going to start breaking down the movie and – this is going to be spoiler territory. So at this point, you need to have watched the movie or we're going to ruin stuff for you. Yeah, if you don't want to know, stop now. If you don't care, hang with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the show. And now we're going to begin our more in-depth uh, review of the movie. And on this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the positives and the negatives. And so on the, on, the, on the side of the ledger of things that worked, Dwayne, why don't you go first? What's, what's the thing that worked for you? The thing that worked in this movie most for me were the visual design, the visual effects, the set dressings. Um, the worlds were extraneously designed, I thought, um, with... I mean, you had the market, you had the uh, the 
the space station being pieced together uh, at the beginning um, and all of these different cultures coming together and you really catch that visually how each generation and each race and species had their own color they had their own dress they had their own uh, actions and, and I'm, I'm yeah I mean even the even each alien race had their own like movements like they yes. even moved differently every, every, everything was really unique so the 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 amount of time that they spent on the set dressing and and we also have mentioned the the music throughout the score is, is it's fabulous is fabulous yeah. um <clears throat> the the strong parts of this movie were just the adventures i love um you know going going to the beginning with the space station being assembled and then having to be shoved from orbit because it's too big you know them going into the alternate dimension in a desert <laughs> <laughs> to great. go to this massive market using wormhole they, technology to buy and sell it's exactly, great exactly yeah, how they uh, you know were able to to bridge that gap um, <clears throat> you know the um, the imagine the imagination that went into that you know is is pure Luc Besson yeah and I think it went beyond just the um, just the visuals I think it was the world building for the whole the whole thing like the way Alpha the Alpha Station was set up. It was just a brilliant way to, to create a world for a movie to be set in. And the way the, the station had the different levels for different kinds of beings. You had the water levels and the, the levels for the gas beings and the human sections. And that was just it was a real brilliant world building. And the classicness of this whole intro is underlined by two things. One of them is Space Oddity. Space Oddity. It was ne- never been used better in a movie. By Ziggy Stardust, a.k.a. David Bowie. I mean, yeah, had never been used better. You know, this is ground control to Major Tom. I cannot sing, but you want to Yeah, I might not do that again. And the other thing is one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite actors throughout Ectordom is Rutger Hauer. Mr. Blade Runner himself? Mr. Blade Runner being the president. It doesn't get any better for my money. So those, those yeah, I'm a child of the of, '80s. I love a good Rutger Hauer appearance. Rutger Hauer movie. So those yeah. are kind of my strengths. Jamie, what's what's your views on the strengths of this movie? Um, well, really, the, honestly, it's about probably the first 40 minutes. Um, the the opening act, the creation of Alpha Station with Space Oddity, like you talked about, that's it was so powerful. I mean, there's no talking in that section. There's no dialogue at all. It's just or, or very little. There's a few uncomfortable remarks from the station leaders. But it's really just a visual thing of like the different nations arriving on the station and the different kinds of aliens arriving on the station. The whole time you've got Major Tom in the background, you know. And then it cuts from that to the scene with the blue aliens on the beach. Oh, the, yeah, the paradise. That's such a great that scene, so you know. Beautiful. It and is. Just their um, their interaction with their nature, with their world there, the uh, their body movements, how fluid. Yeah, that yeah. Is so gorgeous. And, 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 the, and, you, and you get the question, like, you know, what is going on? With the pearl and the little the little animal, it's like you you feed him a pearl and you've got a million pearls flowing out of him, and you know is that sanitary? You know, I mean, <laughs> and so it's a, it's a great statement. Like, why are they? And then you see the attack, all the 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 things crashing. Thinking, man, what's going on here? This is going to be important to the story. What what were the what was the name of the creature? It was a mule, mule converter. Mule converter, yeah. And mule, we find out is the name of that planet. Okay, yeah. Later on, so <clears throat> we find out with it being classified a little bit later on that i thought was very interesting yeah to the the name of the creature that everybody knew the mule converter but it was the name of the planet that was classified and quote unquote didn't exist 
but everybody kind of knew about it. There was yeah. a that was a big hole right there. Yeah, we're, well, we're still being positive. Let's be positive let's for be a positive. minute. We've got, we're gonna we're gonna have plenty of negatives in a minute. But let's be positive for a minute. But so you so we go from the the uh, mule planet, and then we meet Valerian and Loreline, which I thought had a very great introduction. I thought they were I thought that was a very good introduction. The the interaction uh, with. Uh, Dane DeHaan and, and Cara Delevingne. I forgot Cara to mention who was starring in this movie in the yeah. opening. Yeah, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne. Um, it was a very introduction. I mean, you sort of get a feel for who they are, he, what the relationship kind of, is. I really liked his character. Someone asked me, uh, uh, it's like, what, what, what is it about? And I said, well, you know, he's kind of a space marine, space cop, special forces guy, but he's kind of like a, <clears throat> he's kind of like an Indiana Jones, where he's really devoted and really good at what he does sometimes but he just keeps falling just a little <laughs> bit short and but things still work out but his partners are are awesome his partners yeah. are great well like i said well there's another part of this discussion we're going to get to more of that but the introduction was good the introduction was good. and then they go to the market scene which is just fabulous, Phenomenal. and it's the best action scene in the movie too. When they, when he's on the run, he's got the thing stuck to his arm. It's a, now, it's now, a great scene. It is great. Now they get assigned to go and pick up a, the converter. Yeah. Correct. <clears throat> okay, so they go to a planet and they land on the planet, and they're greeted by a bunch of. And I like their ship too. It was a cool ship. That was a great ship. Yeah. They're greeted by a bunch of guys at a with a hover school bus. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> you know, I mean, how much cooler can you get the hover school bus? With cannons on it. With cannons on it. But now they um, they get one of the aliens, they shoot a thing on his neck, and the guy with the umbrella hat. Some more of that great world building. Takes over him, and now he now the guy in the watchtower is a puppet for the guy with the hat, and he's seeing what he sees. He's saluting. He's doing a thing. <clears throat> and if if you've watched The Fifth Element – the uh, the guy with the big flat hat, the big blue flat hat, looked like the sky. Claire Delavine makes a remark to him, "Nice hat." That's the guy, the same guy that was robbing Bruce Willis in the Fifth Element, standing outside the door, <laughs> waiting for him to open the door with the hat with the hallway painted on it. And that's the same the same actor. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you caught that. I didn't yeah, catch that. I, I caught that. That uh, also come to me from um, you know I love Amazon. Where you can have the the, the facts and actors the on the side of the screen, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a that was a great little bit of trivia right there. But yeah, they go into the market scene, so they have to put on these glasses and put on these gloves to interact. That's fabulous world with building. The other dimension. Yeah. So Valerian has the box, and so they're going to meet up. And when uh, Valerian uh, meets the guy, the guy sprays some stuff on him to make him invisible, scans him. I don't know what he does, but makes him invisible, and he goes into where the blue aliens are meeting the the head gangster. And they're less peaceful than they were earlier on. Quite a bit less peaceful. Another great thing about that scene is John Goodman is the big gangster guy. That's my... <laughs> I didn't get convert. Yeah, that was a, that was another great thing of Amazon. Um, <laughs> so, I, I think I watched it on Netflix. Or was it on Amazon? It on Netflix? I, I know it was on... Uh, I streamed it somewhere. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, well, I've been streaming it from Amazon. Okay. Yeah, that's where I see it. But uh, that's the last positive thing I have to say. Well, I'm after, to, after the market scene, I've only got negative things to say. Well, at, at the market scene, when he is escaping and his hand gets stuck in the alternate dimension... 
And, that was great. And they're trying to get him out. That was just great. And they have to make the big escape, and the and the monster comes through the alternate dimension into the real dimension, and, and just jacks up the school bus with all the Marines in there. I kind of it kind of reminded me of the Rathar scene in re- Star Wars when it, when the Rathar got stuck it, to the Millennium Falcon. Kind of did, kind of did. I didn't think yeah. about that. I didn't make that connection. But yeah, that was a uh, kind of one of the uh, last, shall we say, coherent things in the movie. So, do you have anything else positive you want to say? Because I'm I'm out. I'm sorry. Those those first forty minutes contain all of the goodness of this movie for me. I'm good. Let's move on. Okay, so this this movie was your idea. Um, this was your call. You you told me I should watch this. Um, okay, I watched it. Okay, I'm sorry. I've got we've got to move on to the negatives now. Um, okay. and uh, as a matter of fact, let's take a short break and then we'll come back. And we'll get, we'll start hurting this movie a little bit. All right, and welcome back. And so now we're turning from our positive impressions of this movie to our negative. And so, Dwayne, after 40 minutes, 40 minutes of what I consider brilliant filmmaking, the movie kind of falls apart. And so I'm wondering, what, what was your biggest negative for this movie? Yeah, my biggest negative for this movie, I know I had really gushed about this movie uh, initially and wound up giving it a C-. minus. It's because I watched it again. <laughs> And, and, and you see some of the holes and you see since you've already seen the beautiful the beautifulness before okay that didn't really make sense so yeah the uh, the thing that really but I, but I could see how that would happen it's such a beautiful movie with such a great soundtrack I could see how that would kind of wash over you I could see how that could happen yeah the the thing that really fell apart with this movie to me was uh, one they had a phenomenal actor to be a bad guy and did not utilize or deliver on him. Clive Owen. I'm so used to him being the hero, the good guy, the great guy, the knight in shining armor. He's my King Arthur. Come in and, Oh, he just made a turn to the dark side. He really, (laughs) but he just kind of came in and was a military bureaucrat. A hole. Well, his his first scene in the movie, he's pulling off that subtly menacing thing pretty well, and then for the rest of the, his appearance in the movie, he's just mailing it in. I've never, I, and that that's my impression is that Clive Owen was just he just showed up in red lines. He wasn't really. It felt like the first weak Clive Owen performance I've ever seen. Mm. I can I can see that, and I can really tell you know where you would say mailing it in, and yeah, he was really menacing for the menacing things that he had to do. Um, he was really menacing when uh, you go into the room and they're interrogating the blue guy. Yeah. Um, he, he he still had his moments, but but what, 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 I think it was a mistake the way they brought him in. Because I think you could have done that movie as just the military did this. You didn't need that one focal character to do it. Exactly. So you could have left that character out altogether. Or you bring, or you don't bring Clive Owen in so late in the movie. You exactly. can't, you can't introduce your primary villain that late in a movie. Exactly. And you see the destruction of the planet Mule with these uh, spacecraft warring overhead at the beginning when we're introduced to the uh, 
the the pearls as, as yeah. the inhabitants of that uh, planet was called uh, you see that at the beginning but you see no characterization of yeah. anyone it's just he either needs to be there nameless, or not in the movie at all exactly nameless faceless ships and you know an, another character that was that was very underutilized i thought was was uh, the the great herbie hancock um, as the the, the uh, military director. See, I, see, I, I've got feelings about that. See, he did a fine job. Yeah. But what if that had been Clive Owen the whole time exactly. in that role? Exactly. And then he has a turn later and in the movie. Had a turn. That yeah. would have been a good use of com- combining those two roles. Because Clive Owen still seemed to be sort of upper middle management. Yeah. Uh, military wise, you would think. He, yeah. The authority of the decisions weren't necessarily there, I feel. But that would have been a way to have Clive Owen and your villain be in the movie the whole time and have that little character twist later in the movie and not have your villain show up in the third act of the movie. Exactly. So the the, the movie turns at this point uh, from a great movie to just sort of kind of a hot mess of them trying to uh, reacquire the mule converter, which was uh, taken from them during a meeting uh, between some folks and the the blue guys that were on the Paradise Planet, that are now like they're hiding an alpha commando grade. Yeah, uh, you know, infiltrators come in, you know, cover everybody in goo. Uh, which was good world building. It was, was a, great, yeah, it was a pretty interesting scene. Pretty interesting scene, you know. But like I said, and after that, they then they pick up Clavo and, and and take off with him, thinking he has the mule converter, and they're going to use that with the pearl. That they have left this single pearl that they have to rebuild their paradise. Yeah, that's never really explained until it, probably the last three minutes of the and movie. not even very clearly. And not even very clearly then. So then you have um. So we've got our villain showing up when the movie's almost over, and we've got the you know the realization of what the plot actually is at the last second. That's I mean, that's a tough storyline to follow and to care about. Yeah, and you see, um, you know. Dane DeHaan running through all of these environments trying to catch up with. So he tells us, so uh, Loreline is at the command center watching everything on the radar. She's like, oh, uh," he says, uh, what's my fastest way to them? And she's like, turn left and run. He's like, there's a wall there. She said, you asked for the fastest way. And he runs and he's running through all of these gorgeous environments, um, all the things that we talked about. But you know, I'm thinking this is a place where hundreds of individuals of thousands of species live. And it feels like he's running across my living room each time. <laughs> he, he bursts from environment to environment. Uh, so I'm like, okay. you know. Yeah. So we're seeing all of this gorgeous stuff, and it's almost like they're throwing macaroni at the wall and yeah. seeing what sticks. And it's so random. The stuff, the stuff that happens inside Alpha is so random, and it's weird, and it's and this is where the plot kind of starts falling apart. It's like, okay, well, why is any of this happening? Why is he doing this thing? Why is he going and you know doing this? And it's just it feels to me like I got this is where I started getting actually frustrated. Like I, I think I looked at my wife and said, I don't know why any of this is happening. I, I don't know why he's doing the things he's doing, why these things are happening. I, I, I just I got really frustrated because it just felt like things are just happening for no reason. And their ship, uh, things named Alex, seems to be a combination of Kit, the Enterprise, <laughs> Hal, and uh, and Johnny Five from Sort Cert all combined, just to make this really awesome vehicle that. It helps them out from time to time, but really not when they're in the pinch. Yeah, not when they need it. 
and uh yeah so so that kind of falls apart too um another thing that really fell short was a wonderful concept was that i know we were going with this was the rihanna character yeah um and ethan hawk doing his johnny depp impression (laughs) ethan hawk doing the johnny depp pimp yeah he he was was, i think it was his johnny depp uh halloween costume he just wanted to wear on set that that was the impression i got (laughs) I can see that he's kind of like a deranged Willy Wonka yeah. in that costume. Yeah, kind of yeah. look like a deranged Willy Wonka. And and the thing about that whole scene is, it's not very well performed, and it's not and it's not always the actor's fault. Sometimes the actor gives a bad performance. Sometimes it's a weakness of the script. Sometimes it's bad direction. I don't know who to blame. No, but it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. And they tried to, uh, I feel, force some heart. Yeah. Uh, where uh, you know uh, at, at that point in the movie. Um, uh, Valerian is trying to rescue Loreline from uh, getting her head chopped for the for the aliens dinner and and uh, has to go in and, and get through a certain section there and uh, <clears throat> has to fight their way through. But yet the the Rihanna character being sort of like a changeling that can cover him and disguise him to get to yeah. infiltrate those elves where there's no humans allowed because we find out they're cannibals. But you know that's another weakness of the movie. And why did that have to happen? So why did that have to happen? And, you know, they – seems like they took this – what could have probably been a trilogy of movies if they would have spent the time with each section building these characters, building building the pearls, building Valerian and Loreline, building uh, the, the government, uh, the military, building, um, you know – a little bit from each alien species you encounter in each one instead of just shoving it all into a movie and saying, oh, you remember that from the comic book? Oh, you remember this from the comic See, book? That, oh, here's that's exactly what it felt like to me. This is exactly the problem yeah. with a lot of your uh, uh, you know, comic book, uh, video game movies is they've got this huge world that they're trying to stick into a two-hour movie. And you, they really need to maybe make a plan and do one great movie so that maybe people would be interested in watching another movie. Yeah, because it felt like that Rihanna scene, and I feel like a lot of scenes in this movie were like that. that just Luke Besson was so attached to the source material, they just wanted to bring in the greatest hits. Yeah. And this is the thing is 29 volumes. I think it was over like 30 plus years that this thing was published. And those characters, you know, over 30 years of publications, you know, characters change and evolve. And it just feels like he just grabbed his greatest hits and crammed them all into one movie, and it doesn't work. Like that Rihanna scene feels like something that was probably great that he loved in one of those graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And he just he had to have it in his movie, whether it worked and whether it made sense in the movie or not. He just had to have it in there because he loved it so much from exactly. the source material. Exactly. When Jamie, like like we were saying, you know, if if we would have spent some time and developed a few things instead of just jumping. Or if she hadn't died right away and been a character that mattered more. Well, you know, that was one of my big things with with all the Marvel movies uh, that have been happening in in the DC. You introduce a villain, kill him in the same movie. I mean, Red Skull has been Captain America's nemesis for 5,000 years. And, I mean, you know, he was in, you know, one... And now that Infinity War is out and a half, Marvel movies, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, the character was one of my favorites. And, I mean, Hugo Weaving performed. He was great. How much better can you get? Yeah. And, you know, 
Loki was such a hit. He's really the they, only Marvel he's villain. He's the only that's Marvel over. villain they've brought brought back. And I mean, I thought uh, uh, Thomas Hayden Church doing uh, Sandman. Yeah, phenomenal. But I digress into Marvel. Yeah, this is a Valerian episode. But but if Rihanna had been one of those, if that character <clears throat> Bubbles, I think Bubbles was the name. Yeah. Whatever, that's fine. It's a name. But but if that had been a character that carried on through more of the movie, maybe that would have been a better scene. Maybe it could have fit better, made more sense. But it's just a character that shows up for like a second and then just dies. And it's just like, was I supposed to care about that? Was I supposed to be emotionally moved? My dog's moved? name's Bubbles. <laughs> you know, my dog's name's Bubbles. Come on, people. Uh, but but that that connects to another one of my my biggest complaints from this movie. It's just the inconsistent characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really feels like it's one of those things, like at different points of the publication of this thing, like like with um, like with Valerian. Early in the movie, he's Captain Rulebook. He's a boy scout. Everything has to be by the book. Then later in the movie, he's Han Solo, flying by the seat of his pants. I'm wants. like, that's not the same character. <laughs> Maybe in a graphic novel that took 30 years to publish, you know, you, characters change, they develop and evolve. And then early in the movie. Loreline is this cool as a cucumber, suave pilot, nothing Never unflappable. Yeah. Then later in the movie, she's got this famous temper. Like, like she gets mad, and the guy goes like, "Yep, that's her." I'm like, "This is the first time she's been mad at anything, and then she's famous for this temper." Well, maybe that happened off off screen. Well, they then we then they should have shown it. <laughs> but but there's a lot of that, just in, really inconsistent characterization, and I, I I struggle with that. And you know that that kind of thing really frustrates me in a movie. And uh, and even in Lord of the Rings, like in, in the movies, Gimli, Gimli's one of, he's one of my favorite characters in the book series. Mm-hmm. He's kind of inconsistent he's in the movies, kind of and I, I even found that a little frustrating. So I, that was one of that was one of my big complaints yeah. of this movie, that just the inconsistent characterization. <laughs> how, one did, act how did you like the way things wrap up? So then they go. I didn't um, into a. Uh, <laughs> They go into the uh, the dead zone, the part that uh, that brought that brought us to Alpha, where. Um, there's a poison growing in the station and, and nothing inhabits that one part. That came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I, I, I felt like the, 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 the longer this movie went on, the less it made sense. Mm-hmm. And they kept springing things on us at the last second that we were just supposed to roll with. And I couldn't roll with it. I just, the longer this movie went on, the more frustrated I got. And it's like they were setting things up with a wink. Or we were supposed to know already for a somehow. payoff later, yeah, and no other explanation. You know, it was a, <clears throat> it was interesting. Uh, t- you know, the way they tried to glue it together, to say the least. But uh, yeah, the way the movie uh, wraps up, you have the confrontation of the pearls, yeah, and Valerian and Loreline once they've puzzled out. I mean, we, what was going on. We, we talked about this some off the air, and we we kind of sort of made it make sense. We shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> you know, the resolution of a movie should be... Should um, be explicit It should screen. be clear. It should be emotionally powerful. And it should make sense. It should be a real resolution to the to the plot of the movie. And But th- that wasn't the biggest flaw with the ending of this movie. And this is the last negative I'm going to say. I, I feel like I've been a little harsh. But this 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 last thing I want to point out is, my, is the thing that dropped this from a C movie to a D movie for me. It's an abject failure of storytelling. And so early in the movie, um, you know, Valerian proposes to Lorelai. And her whole whole big thing is, is like, oh, he's, a, he's this womanizer. And you've got this big playlist of all these women you've been with. But he confesses his love to her and wants to marry her. 
Y- yes, which I they didn't have a lot of chemistry. I never really bought that she yeah, was that really into him. That. But um, so she said that somebody who really loved her would delete that playlist. So Dwayne, that's the setup in the first act. That's the one of the first things we see them do do in their interactions with each other in the movie. And you see the playlist yeah. pop up on the wall. Yeah. Okay. So if he really loves her, and this is the, this is how he's this is how she has set up for him early in the movie, how he's going to prove his love to her is to delete that playlist. Shouldn't that have happened in the movie? They, he talked about it. Oh, he brings it up. He talked about it. He still has that playlist, though. It never happened. <laughs> he never deletes the playlist. So, you know what? Maybe this was a setup for Valerian 2 well, and the I'm playlist of a thousand Sorry chicks. about your luck. <laughs> that sequel's never happening. No, no sequel to this movie is ever happening. But I mean, yeah. that, but that's just a failure of storytelling. It, it really was. It Such really a, dropped the ball. That, sh- that should have been the last scene of the movie. But you know, even beyond that, I was never really clear what happened to the pearls. They it's, got the they got the mule converter. They got the pearl. Clive Owen. I'm not really sure what happened to him either. I think he may have died. May have okay. Can, uh, I'm can, not 100 percent sure. So there is a lot of things that were not clear to us at the end of the. A movie. lot happened at the end, but some of the things that should have happened didn't. And weren't weren't explicitly yeah. explained. So you know. But I, but I, one of the, I do want I do want to push back a little bit on one of the criticisms I, I saw. I did I did a good bit of research before we uh, recorded tonight. Glad someone did. <laughs> I overprepared. Sorry about that. <laughs> But um, one of the one of the criticisms I saw was they said that the lead actors in this movie couldn't act. I don't think that's fair necessarily. They, I, I thought that Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne had scenes where I, they well, they really showed off some acting chops. They didn't have a lot of chemistry. A great. They had no that. chemistry. Uh, they didn't have, I feel, a great cohesive story to work with. See, I think that's that's not. I, th- I think the, their problems aren't them necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think that they were kind of miscast. And the script was so uneven. You, they weren't believable characters. And I've seen them in a, each one in other things that they've been good actors. Not necessarily great actors, but yeah. good actors. I mean, I was not a fan of Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's so one thing much, I've seen her in. But she done well as Enchantress. I mean, I thought I thought her character there was okay. That wasn't much of a part. But it, and it wasn't much yeah. of a part, but she pulled it off. She was menacing. She was freaky. She was crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that <clears throat> Dane DeHaan, uh, two things I've seen him in specifically is, uh, and I forget the name of the Metallica movie he was in, but there was a Metallica movie they had done a concert and he had to go and get a pick or something that would have made the concert great and so he had to go on this supernatural journey through that this script was probably about on par with <laughs> valerian so if you can imagine uh, uh, just a hot mess of metallica and supernatural adventures to go get something for the show uh was pretty good and i mean he did okay in that he was playing the the roadie that was that was devoted and had to go through all this. Was that some kind of monster? No, some kind of monster was the documentary. Okay. Uh, uh, when they were in. That's right. I've got therapy. the names mixed up. Yeah. I think I've seen the thing you're talking about though. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the same guy. Yes, the same guy. And he was also in a, a, a series, uh, not very much of the series. He was only in a couple episodes called True Blood. And he played uh, sort of a uh, 
I guess you could say, a were panther. Um, <laughs> these these people would. would he gets turn, all the good parts, though. He? Parts. So I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking it's not necessarily his acting. I think it's maybe some choices that he's making yeah. along the way here. Um, which now during that that season of True Blood, uh, you were introduced to a lot of supernatural creatures. The show kind of got lost in itself before it found its way out. So you know that. We're all end up with that, but you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I, I just think that, like, like I said, there, there were scenes in the movie where I thought Dane DeHaan was giving a good performance, yes. and there were scenes where Cara Delevingne was giving a good performance. I just think they weren't cast in the right roles. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that Dane DeHaan could play like a Han Solo, Indiana Jones type character. I just don't. I don't think that's the right role for him. Right. I don't. I don't either. He is the odd leading man. Or, or he's one of those really quirky supporting characters, mm-hmm. like a Paul Giamatti yeah, he's or a Joe the, Pantoliano, one of those supporting characters who just steal scenes. I think that's going to end up being his strength as he grows as an actor. Uh, you know, he's instead of being the leading man, I think that that he wants to be. I think he really probably needs to focus more on those, you know, supporting roles to where he really brings out what. Uh, you know, this scene is all about, and, and really the heart of the movie, you know, uh, yeah. because like you're saying, you know, Paul Giamatti and, and Joe Pantoliano, you know, that's their strength. They really bring a realism. And I, I think I think he could be that kind of actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cara Delevingne, like I said, there were scenes where I thought that she was, she bought, like, I bought into the emotion she was trying to get across in those mm-hmm. scenes, but the, the script was her problem in this movie. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this movie's problem was script and maybe even editing. Maybe, Maybe they were trying to fit in. There were some weird so edits in this much movie. The, yeah, the edits, the the cuts and things were were yeah. kind of were kind of strange. Jamie, one thing that really uh, had trouble bringing connection. What well, do I do? I hold on, Dwayne. There was one thing we've done somehow in every episode we've recorded that has been brought up, and I couldn't find it in this movie. Where was Keanu Reeves? Where was the Keanu? Where, where's the Keanu connection? So all I can come up with, I started, I, I went all through IMDb, Keanu Reeves movie by movie. <clears throat> I was thinking maybe there was somebody he was in a movie with. Oh, well, there's maybe somebody he was in a movie with that was in a movie with somebody that was in this movie. Couldn't even find that. I almost got to the point, Jamie, of saying, well, the Keanu connection is going to be that this is a movie and Keanu Reeves is in movies. <laughs> But I do have a little bit more substance to this Keanu to this Keanu connection. We have Ethan Hawke. We have we have an Ethan Hawke appearance. We have an Ethan Hawke appearance. Now, Whether it's good or not, it's there. Now, uh, uh, a podcast we've done recently, The Matrix, was a big hit. You had a lot of clones coming out with this style. I know uh, Christian Bale had Equilibrium with the gunplay that you had with that. <clears throat> Maybe not necessarily for gunplay, but the cerebral, the uh, overview of the movie. Ethan Hawke was in Gattaca, which was kind of a Matrix copy. <laughs> That's where I'm going with that. And with that, we will let you go until we come back with some rankings. That was a reach. <laughs> Welcome 
Welcome back to the show. And now it's time for our awards. And believe it or not, as negative as we have been, there are some awards for this movie. There are some good things about this movie. So, Dwayne, what was your what was your favorite scene? The best scene in this movie? My favorite scene in this movie was the marketplace where they go and meet up with the military guys in the school bus that converts into a tank. Uh, take over the alien with the remote control. Go into the alternate dimension. That was so phenomenal and the uh, the crazy lady and her husband that's that's buying everything on the way through i mean those little fantastical things are what makes a scene uh, along with the urgency of his hand being stuck the creature chasing it was a him. tense scene it was a pretty tense scene getting to the point you know having these lookouts um that was my favorite it's a good scene. What's your scene, Jamie? Uh, my favorite scene is the is the opening scene where you've got space oddity in the background. You've got the wonderful world building of how Alpha Station comes together. The, all the little parts can added on by each nation, then each alien civilization. Just a great scene, and I, and and the and the music made it. I mean, it was a great scene to start with, but the music put it over the top. I mean, that was a, just a fabulous scene. Some some of the best filmmaking I've seen in a long time. It yeah, was great. That, that was a beautiful scene. Yeah. So. Well, along with the beauty and wonderful construction of this movie, we also have some really dog parts. Yeah, I think these are. This is an anti-award. Um, so we've got confusing moments, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, first here. And um, I had two written down. I'm, I've decided to go with the meaner of the two. Okay. The entire third act. Um, the entire third act is confusing. It makes very little sense. It's incoherent, and it just frustrated me. The entire third act, for me, is the most confusing moment in this movie. The uh, the entire third act. I'm going to uh, zoom in, <laughs> if you will, on on one part when uh, Laureline is captured by the cannibals. The yeah, that was weird. Almost kind of sluggy things, and I understand. Their aliens are going to speak another language. But to bridge that, they decided against subtitles and had them almost pantomiming things. If you see the, uh, they're trying on the dresses and they're in the, in the, in the, you know, clapping and shouting and no, no, no. And that was just really, just give me some alien language. If you don't want to do subtitles, just make their actions clear or, enough. Or do the sci-fi gimmick where you get like something stuck to your neck so you have like a universal translator or something. A universal translator. Or don't do space charades. You didn't need that scene. Just don't do the scene. That, the, how, that was not integral to the plot of the movie. You could have cut that entirely and nobody would have noticed. No one would have noticed. That entire part was not necessary. So now that that's out of the way, Jamie, I need to ask, have you gotten any help? for your addiction yet nope i still love to rank things okay and i can't help myself let's have the pointless rankings okay so um i, I kind of wrestle with this one i you know the previous episodes i've ranked my best performances by actors and that kind of thing um this one i'm gonna go with my top three movies directed by luke Besson, and i'm gonna go from number three to number one number three is valerian this movie has a few strong suits and there's some, some good qualities here it's not a great movie. It's okay. the weakest Luc Besson movie. And so I take it we're going from worst to first. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, this is the bottom of the pile. Um, second is La Femme Nikita. 
Um, mm. Good flick. Forgot about this movie. Yeah, good, good flick. flick. Um, and then number one is, of course, The Fifth Element. One of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And this is, the, and this is like the... So with this movie, Valerian, you've got great world building and a very weak, incoherent plot. With The Fifth Element, you've got the beautiful world building. You've got great, consistent characterization all the way through and a plot that makes sense. Yeah. Love The Fifth We're Element. We're going to have to visit this movie very soon. I would love to do that. Yeah. So uh, now we've on previous episodes we've done a segment where we did random recommendations. Well, we're evolving that a little bit. We're going to start a new segment called Keeping It 100, hoping that our recommendations will be 100% good, and we're going to try to sell them to each other in under 100 seconds. This is a challenge for ourselves, and so Dwayne, I'd like for you to go first. Let's see if you can keep it 100. All right, Jamie, I've got a timer set. And I'm going to press start. My recommendation is going to be a book I recently listened to by Neil Gaiman. don't know if you've listened to any Neil Gaiman. This is actually my first foray into him. I've heard lots of great things about him. The book is called The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Um, what really um, got me on this was... Uh, world building listening to uh, uh, another podcast where uh, an episode was talking about world building, creating worlds creating um, just a mythology a history to the world now this movie takes place uh, in England and takes place uh, in the bulk of the story takes place in the midish to latish 70s and uh, the surrounding of the story takes place kind of modern day where you have a guy going back and visiting what happened there and his memories coming through in that story i'm going to say this i've got 30 seconds left i'm going to say this and leave this with you the thing that drew me here was a lady telling you the age of a penny because she could see the electrons were all wrong the date on the penny was 1912. She said, this thing didn't exist before yesterday. They said, how can you tell? She says, look, the electrons are all wrong. The uh, protons are all wonky. I would recommend it. Okay. I, I, I've heard good stuff about that book. Um, I'm not the biggest Neil Gaiman fan. Uh, I've, I've had a little bit of exposure to uh, some of the work of Neil Gaiman. It's not my favorite. and so, But I, but I have heard good things about that book specifically. Okay. And so I, I'll I'll put it on my list. Now, we'll tell you, after listening to this book uh, in audiobook form, read by Neil Gaiman, I'm definitely going to check out some of his other work. All right. Team me up. So, Jamie, <clears throat> you have 100 seconds set on the timer. Ready, set, go. Okay, my recommendation for this episode is a book called As You Wish by Carrie Elwes. And um, as most of you know, he is the star of The Princess Bride. And this book is his sort of... Uh, recollections, um, him him sort of reminiscing about the filming of The Princess Bride. It's it's all these sort of behind-the-scenes stories um, about Andre the Giant and um, what's the director? I just want to call him Meathead. Rob Reiner. Yeah, Rob Reiner. It's all these stories about Rob Reiner and his unique sort of directing style. And uh, I just loved it. And you could tell that he was totally had, had fallen head over heels for Robin Wright, the film of this movie. It was one of those things I liked. The movie was so beautiful I could really... 
yeah. see him being in love with it. And uh, but the 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 one of my, my favorite part. And this is I'm going to give away one thing. It's one of my favorite parts. Is Wallace Shawn, the guy that played Vicini, the the Sicilian. Inconceivable. He found out during the filming that he was the number three option. It, he they, the number one option had been Danny DeVito, and he turned him down. <laughs> number two had been Richard Dreyfuss, and he turned him down. Oh, wow. And he's such a neurotic guy that it got in his head. And so every scene he was in, he was thinking, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me. They're going to try to get Danny DeVito to come back in. And he would think before he was saying, okay, how would Danny DeVito do this? And oh, so wow. he just and, – and a lot of the a lot of the actors came back and read their parts of the book. And so Wallace Shawn was like talking about – he has neuroses about uh, Danny DeVito. It's it's just really entertaining. It's great. So if you love that movie, you will love this book about that movie. Sold. I didn't think we could do it. I think we both just made it in under 100 seconds. We kept it 100. We kept it 100. And hopefully those recommendations will be 100% as we check those out. And maybe you can go check those out for yourself. Hopefully and have an enjoyable time as we did exploring them. Okay, and, um, and that's really the end of our um, episode here, but we want to give you uh, our next quest. And on our next episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, an absolute classic, The Hobbit by... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dwayne. No, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien in all shapes and forms, I believe. We'll see. <laughs> I've, got, I've got feelings about certain adaptations, um, we'll, but we'll get to that, and we'll have a surprise for you on our next episode of Nerds of the Roundtable. So that sounds like something to look forward to as you uh, may want to revisit The Hobbit in book, maybe not movie form, (laughs) um, audio dramas, however you want to go with that. Um, And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Again, you can uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Stitcher. Spotify, yeah. Wooshka. Uh, Wooshka, and we got put on um, uh, CastBox this week is our, our latest one. Um, awesome. And you can find us on Twitter. at the Our handle there is at Nerds2. And on Instagram, our handle is RoundTableNerds2. And our uh, email address is roundtablenerds at gmail.com. And feel free to contact us. And if actually, if you've got a quest for us you'd like for us to go on, we're willing to take some recommendations. That sounds awesome. Yeah, don't forget to reach out to us. Leave us a review, five stars, hopefully. And uh, we just want to thank you guys for listening. Until next time, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jamie. And I'd like to thank our producer, Edna. This was 